0: So we have a a God who speaks to us. If you don't hear God speaking to you, it's not because God isn't speaking. It's because you're not hearing. It's because we're not listening. There are some who would say that God has spoken simply and solely through his word. That God inspired people in the past to, to communicate. And so in the Bible we have basically the communication of God to us. And I don't want to in any way, to in any way diminish the miracle that the Word of God is. <clears throat> I I believe that the Word of God was brought to us from God. I believe it is a work of God. Uh, I believe it is therefore an incredibly special book and incredibly revealing. There's so much God has spoken to us in his word. And uh, next week I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. However, there are some that would almost make it seem like God spoke to those authors and, and and they wrote it down. And that is the extent to which God speaks today. So if you want to know what God is saying to you, you have to go back and you have to read where he wrote it to someone and that God does not in other ways speak and I would take issue with that, uh, with that kind of teaching. I think God has spoken, as the Bible tells us, in various ways, in various ways and continues to speak to us in various ways and so... Uh, just a, I'll give you just a list of some of the things we we talked about last week, and these are things that I, as I mentioned last week, I started with probably the most exceptional ways, the rarest ways in which God speaks, and we're kind of moving. I think we're going to end up with about ten different ways that God speaks, and as we move through them you're going to see that they're more and more frequent and more and more common and more and more experienced by us all. So last week we looked at the fact that there are places and times where God has spoken through an audible voice, to the voice of God has spoken. And we looked at a number of examples in the Bible where God did that. We looked at both examples, and there are contemporary examples of times when God has spoken to people in a voice they can actually hear. Not very common, probably very few people in this room have ever experienced that, but it's something that has happened and does happen. Then we looked at the issue of dreams and visions. In the book of Joel it was prophesied that in the latter days, young men and old men alike, that people will experience dreams and visions from God. And so we looked at biblical examples again and talked about some contemporary examples of dreams and visions that people have. Now, one of the ways we didn't look at it, I'm gonna add it here, because I, I kinda of wanna get a pretty exhaustive list of all the ways that God speaks. One we didn't talk about, and I'm just gonna mention it, is angels. God has spoken to people through angels. We have a number of examples, Abraham in Genesis 18, Gideon, An angel came, spoke to Gideon. Of course, we have Mary, mother of Jesus. An angel came and spoke to her. We have the shepherds and the angels speaking to them. We have also the tomb experience where there's an angel, angels by the tomb speaking. And some of you in this room may have had an experience, not common, but still happens in our day today. Angels are involved in God's work. We see they were involved in judgment. They were involved in strengthening people. Jesus had an angel sent to him on two occasions to strengthen him. And uh, you may have experienced that strengthening in your own life. And we also see that God spoke through angels to people. So, And then we looked at others. We looked at how God speaks through others to us. And under the category of others, we looked at wisdom, and we looked at knowledge, and we looked at prophetic speaking. Uh, we see that God gifts people with gifts of knowledge and with prophetic gifts and those kinds of things. And so we see that those are also ways in which God can speak to us through his church and, and through the, the body of, of Christ. So are there abuses of these? Of people hearing voices and, and uh, dreams and visions and, and beings. And you know we have uh, <clears throat> the whole uh, Joseph Smith had an had a angel that came and spoke to him. And so we have, do we have abuses of these things? Do we have counterfeits in these? Of course we do. Thus, you have to be very careful. And so as I teach through this, I'm not shutting the door on God's ability to use these, but at the same time I'm saying, you need to to be very careful because there are paranormal experiences and there are forces of evil which can, can counterfeit what God is seeking to do. And then we have our, the inclinations of our own hearts can conjure up things that fulfill our desires rather than God's. And so there's lots of caution. We need to be careful about that. These first groupings that I'm looking at and the ones you see up there, including circumstances, those are ones that, that need to be tested and, and we need to be careful. There are also ones that are not all that common. And by the way, just because having these kinds of experiences is no indication of one's spiritual maturity or one's spiritual growth. I mean, I I know there are, are very godly people who have served the Lord all of their life and followed him that have had very few of these experiences. Other people seem to have more of these experiences. In fact, you'll find some very traumatic experiences of dreams and visions from, with people that aren't even believers. So it's not an indication of spiritual maturity, it's simply ways in which God chooses to speak and they are things that are of his discretion to use in our lives. We see also that these things do not validate your faith. What validates your faith is your faith. And faith is very important to God. You know, sometimes we can have this desire that we want to, we just need to keep having supernatural experiences so that that we can validate the fact that God is real in our lives. And, And Jesus said, you know, it's an adulterous generation that's always looking for a sign. It's an adulterous generation that's saying, God, you need to prove prove yourself. Prove that you're real. Prove that you're powerful. And Jesus talked a lot about the importance of faith and uh, how without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're called to live by faith, not necessarily by sight. In all these things, Paul writes, and in 1 Thessalonians, he... he A good example. He says, Don't despise prophecies, but test everything. Test everything. And so, if you were to do a study on how do you test things, I was just looking through some of the passages that talk about how do we test things. Does it glorify Christ? Does it edify the body of Christ? Is it in line with the scripture that God has revealed? Is it given by someone who exemplifies fruit of the Holy Spirit? Is it given in a sense of being submissive to the leadership of a local church? In other words, is someone, with someone open to allow what they have to be say? Are they open to having it tested? And of course, any kind of prophetic word is, is it fulfilled? Does it happen? And so, test everything. So, just a little word about where we were last week, and I would guess in this room that if we were to walk through these, that probably, we might hit every one of these. Maybe not, but we'd be close. Most of us have experienced these at one time or another. It's not very common again, but the Lord does speak in those ways. This morning, we're going to look at two more. It's going to take us two more sessions to get through all of them. So today we're going to look at two. And the first one we're going to look at is a way that God speaks to everyone. Not just people in this room, people that aren't in church today, people that are out on picnics today. This is a way that God speaks to everyone. And we find this, let me give you the, the uh, probably the classic passage on this Psalm 19 it's through creation the heavens and notice all of the communication words here by the way all of the communication words here are participles which means it's ongoing it's continually happening so the heavens are are declaring nonstop the glory of god the skies are proclaiming what are they proclaiming the work of his hands Day after day, they're pouring forth speech. The word pouring forth means gushing out. Just gushing out continually. Night after night, they are displaying what? Knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he's pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other, and nothing is hidden from its heat. So creation is always speaking to us. It's always speaking. The mountains speak. The rivers speak. The oceans speak. The animals speak. The sea creatures are speaking. The plants The flowers, the garden out here, it's all speaking to us continually. You know, you you look at the vastness of our universe. Why did God make it so vast? I mean, he made it bigger than we can even see with the greatest telescopes. Telescopes. I mean, just our Milky Way, it's one of billions of galaxies, and yet we have to make up like light, we have to make up new measurements to measure how big it is. Light years, we we use the term. That's how far you can go. That's 186,000 miles per second. Imagine that, 186,000 miles per second. That's almost eight times around the world every second. That's how fast that is. And so, how far does it take us to get across our Milky Way? Well, we can go almost six trillion miles in one year, and it takes us about 200,000 years just to get across one galaxy, and there are billions of galaxies. So, So, why does God create space in the heavens like that? Why? Because he's communicating something to us communicating something to all of us. In Isaiah, I love this passage, <clears throat> chapter 40, verses 25 and 26. <clears throat> you can see it up on the, the screen. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So creation speaks in every language, in every place, to every person, at every time, 24-7. You know, it gets dark at night, and what does God do? He puts the moon, he puts the stars. Why? Because his speech, his proclamation to us is, is constant. Day and night, God speaks on sunny days. He speaks on cloudy days. He speaks in the storm. He speaks in the winter. He speaks in the fall. He speaks in the spring. Never a time when God is not speaking to us. And so every time you look at something that God has made, you should ask the question, what is God saying to me? What is he saying through that? Psalm 19 says he is declaring the glory of God. In other words, it is intended to declare the greatness of this God and the fact that God is saying, look, I, I am the one that made this. I'm the one that made it. If we move to the New Testament, we see in Romans 1, he also talks about this proclamation It's communication that God is giving us through creation. Notice what he says in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18 through 23. Romans 1, verses 18 to 23. Here's what it says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So what is the truth that they're suppressing? Since what, has, <clears throat> since what may be made known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. How has he done that? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse." For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And so we see here that God is speaking and has made it plain to everyone, but not everyone is listening. And when you don't listen, then you have to come to other conclusions. And when you come to other conclusions, you start to sound very foolish. We see in Romans <clears throat> that creation is declaring two things about God. It's declaring his eternal power. <clears throat> it just, it's declaring how powerful this God is. And secondly, it's declaring his eternal nature. Because we have to understand that if, if everything that's here is here, at some point in time, it wasn't here. And so we see that there is a God who is outside of the creation. There has to be a God who is eternal. And there are things that creation will reveal to us if our hearts are open to listening to that truth because God has made it very clear. Every nation, every place, everyone, is able to hear that, even no matter what language you speak, even if you cannot hear, you can hear, because God is declaring it through what he has made. And what is our response? Our response is a a response of humility to what God has made. It's an acknowledgement that there is someone greater than we are that has made all of this that we see. So when you walk out and you look at the trees and, and you're out in creation, you should always be open to just saying, God, what are you, how are you speaking to me through this? That's what Jesus was saying when he said, Hey, look at the lilies of the field or look at the sparrows. Take a look at what I've created. They're saying something. God is able to provide for you. Look at how he provides for the lily. Look how he, he provides for the sparrow. And so we see here, that there is this constant communication that is, is coming forth from what God has made. And then there's a second area. For this, we turn to Hebrews, and chapter one, In the very beginning of that book, he starts off, and this is what he says. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and In various ways. How did he do that? Sometimes in audible voice, sometimes through visions, sometimes through dreams. We can find examples of all those things, all those various ways that God has spoken. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so the words that we have heard from Christ were not words from a prophet. They were not words from just someone else. They were the words of the Son of God. That's so how we see that God himself becomes flesh and comes and dwells amongst us and, and, and lives out his life and speaks forth these words that we have recorded in the Gospels. And as Jesus was leaving, he said, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is going to be to bring back to remembrance the things that I have said. If you were to ask me, how do I know that the God of this universe what would be the most obvious thing that would demonstrate that he wants to communicate with us? I would tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is the act of God becoming flesh in the person of Christ. That is the by far the greatest demonstration of, of God's desire that we would know him and that we would be known by him. And Jesus said, you know, if you see me, if you see me, you're seeing the Father. Do you want to know what the Father's like? I have come to communicate with you what your Father is like. It's the greatest revelation of God the world has ever known. And, you know, people will say, you know, why doesn't God just show himself in the sky? Or why doesn't God just show, you know, why doesn't God just form a picture of the clouds that would demonstrate and prove to us all that he's real? Well, God did something far beyond a formation in the sky. He became flesh and dwelt among us, and lived amongst us. And so we see in, in, in the gospel, and we see in the person of Christ, we have this powerful message. The most powerful message of God is not found in dreams, or visions, or in angelic beings, or prophetic words. It's found in his Son, Jesus Christ. It's found in what's represented at this table this morning. That is the most profound revelation of God to us. And we see through creation that God's powerful. We see through creation that God's eternal. We see that he's very creative. But it's through this table. And it's through the coming of Christ and the work of Christ that we see something that we would never have thought up on our own we would have never we would never have dreamed you know what we think up of our own is what religion is and that is that somehow we need to create a system by which we can enter into god's favor so that we will be okay before him and we see that the Bible tells us something that just, so contrary to that, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You know what? It is by grace that you're saved. It is by grace that you're saved through faith, not by works, not by performance, not by what you could do, not by any systems you could think of. Lest any of us should boast and so we see that God has communicated through his son the the depth of love of God for us. The fact that we have a God who created all of yes, powerfully all the universe, but deeply loves us as his people. And so this morning we're going to <clears throat> in just a moment we're going to move to the, the communion table do a little worship, and then we're going to move in. And And I want to just remind you that this is the most powerful communication of God to you. This is what communicates to you the depth of his love for you and the depth of his love for me. We see that <clears throat> he didn't just speak words of love, but he sacrificed His his life. And so we see that this is what he did that we might be adopted as children. This is what he did that we might have this picture in our minds that the Lord invites us to, that he is the groom and we are the bride. I trust you would have never thought that up. I mean, when you look at the stars and the moon and the, you know, what is man that thou art mindful of him? That's our natural response. And yet God has communicated to us that he is very mindful of us. Let me just conclude with this reading from, it's from Johnny Erickson. She's describing her wedding day. And she's drawing a parallel here between her wedding day and and Christ's love for his church. She writes, I felt awkward as my girlfriend strained to shift my paralyzed body into a cumbersome wedding gown. No amount of corseting and binding my body gave me a perfect shape. The dress just didn't fit well. And then, as I was wheeling into the church, I glanced down and noticed that I'd accidentally run over the hem of my dress, leaving a greasy tire mark along the bottom of my white dress. My paralyzed hands couldn't hold the bouquet of daisies that lay off-center on my lap. And my chair, though decorated for the wedding, was still a big, clunky, gray machine with belts, gears, and ball bearings. I certainly didn't feel like the picture-perfect bride in the bridal magazine. I inched my chair closer to the last pew to catch a glimpse of Ken in front of me. And there he was, standing tall and stately in his formal attire. I saw him looking for me craning his neck to look up the aisle. And at that moment, my face flushed, and I suddenly couldn't wait to be alongside of him. I had seen my beloved, and the love in Ken's face had washed away all my feelings of unworthiness. I was his pure and perfect bride. And then she adds, How easy it is for us to think that we are unworthy, especially to someone as lovely as Christ. But he loves us with the bright eyes of a bridegroom's love and cannot wait for the day when we are united with him. Remind us of this prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. Father, I want these you have given me to be with me where I am. Father, this morning, I thank you for the fact that you are a communicating God, that you're not a distant God, that you're not a God that is unconcerned, and Father, I thank you for, uh, for what you have communicated, especially through your Son, things that we, uh, we could never know, things that we would never dream up, things that we couldn't understand. And so, uh, Father, just bring clarity to us as we come again to this table today. Help us to see it as the revelation of of your great love for us, of your desire to be with us, of your desire to forgive and redeem and restore us. We just commit this time to you. Father, might your spirit just minister to us in this time, speak to us, and open our eyes, open the eyes of our heart to these truths. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.